Recorded live. The views and opinions of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of TalkShoe, generally protected com, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. This is your Sunday evening forum, Nation Talk. Nation Talk of the Live Public Affairs Program that deals with issues concerning you from studios of Savannah, Georgia. Conversation call one seven two four 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 twenty four forty four. Call ID number five 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 one nine pound. That's one seven two four 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 seventy four forty four. Call ID number five 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 one nine pound. Call 
before us early that violence against women is wrong. Learn how to start the conversation at teachearly.org. That's teachearly.org. What to you buy features without violence and the Ad Council. Arr! We be under attack. Man the long nine. Arr! be boarded. Not by the enemy flagship, by garbage. The beautiful ocean be full of it these days. Many of folk don't know that when they throw their trash on the ground, it eventually makes its way into the ocean. So lend us a hand by always recycling and disposing of your trash properly. And learn more what you can do to keep the ocean healthy at keepoceansclean.org. Brought to you by the Keep Oceans Clean Alliance and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Ronnie Wood of the Stones for Rad. You know it's okay to rock and roll and party, so I do it all the time. Just let someone else do the driving, that's what I do. Remember, rock lives, and you should too. Please don't drink and drive. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Violence, theft, drugs, graffiti, it's all part of joining a gang. In times like these, we need to protect our kids and our community from gangs. Gangs often prey on teens with low self-esteem who perform poorly in school and who seek a sense of belonging. Protect kids from gangs. Know who they're hanging out with. Encourage them to become involved in school activities. Give kids a positive alternative to gangs. To learn more, visit ncpc.org or contact your local law enforcement agency. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views and opinions of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of Talk Show, Jam Radio Productions, SonyHead.com, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. Four 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 
724-4444. Call your number, 5519-POUND. By the way, the Hell and Farewell is Bill Paxton, actor Bill Paxton, and Judge Joseph Watman from the People's Court. Both who passed the week, passed away this week. And um, we're doing a hail and farewell to them tonight. I know you all, you all heard the speech on Tuesday. But uh, I I got an opportunity to hear some of it. But uh, I'm going to try to play as much as I can tonight and uh, point out some things that he said. Here he, this was uh, Tuesday, last Tuesday, before a joint his first joint session of Congress. Thank you very much. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Vice President, members of Congress, the First Lady of the United States, and citizens of America, tonight, as we mark the conclusion of our celebration of Black History Month, we are reminded of our nation's path toward civil rights and the work that still remains to be done. Recent threats... threats targeting Jewish community centers and vandalism of Jewish cemeteries, as well as last week's shooting in Kansas City, remind us that while we may be a nation divided on policies, we are a country that stands united in condemning hate and evil in all of its very ugly forms. Each American generation passes the torch of truth, liberty, and justice in an unbroken chain all the way down to the present. That torch is now in our hands, and we will use it to light up the world. I am here tonight to deliver a message of unity and strength, and it is a message deeply delivered from my heart. A new chapter... of American greatness is now beginning. A new national pride is sweeping across our nation, and a new surge of optimism is placing impossible dreams firmly within our grasp. What we are witnessing today is the renewal of the American spirit. Our allies will find that America is once again ready to lead. 
the nations of the world, friend or foe, will find that America is strong, America is proud, and America is free. In nine years, the United States will celebrate the 250th anniversary of our founding, 250 years since the day we declared our independence. It will be one of the great milestones in the history of the world. But what will America look like as we reach our 250th year? What kind of country will we leave for our children? I will not allow the mistakes of recent decades past to define the course of our future. For too long, we've watched our middle class shrink as we've exported our jobs and wealth to foreign countries. We've financed and built one global project after another, but ignored the fates of our children in the inner cities of Chicago, Baltimore, Detroit, and so many other places throughout our land. We've defended the borders of other nations while leaving our own borders wide open for anyone to cross and for drugs to pour in at a now unprecedented rate. And we've spent trillions and trillions of dollars overseas while our infrastructure at home has so badly crumbled. Then in 2016, the earth shifted beneath our feet. The rebellion started as a quiet protest, spoken by families of all colors and creeds, families who just wanted a fair shot for their children and a fair hearing for their concerns. But then, the quiet voices became a loud chorus as thousands of citizens now spoke out together from cities small and large all across our country. Finally, the chorus became an earthquake and the people turned out by the tens of millions and they were all united by one very simple but crucial demand that America must put its own citizens first because only then can we truly make America great again. Dying industries will come roaring back to life. Heroic veterans will get the care they so desperately need. Our military will be given the resources its brave warriors so richly deserve. Crumbling infrastructure will be replaced with new roads, bridges, tunnels, airports, and railways gleaming across our very, very beautiful land. Our terrible drug epidemic will slow down and ultimately stop. And our neglected inner cities We'll see a rebirth of hope, safety, and opportunity. Above all else, we will keep our promises to the American people. Thank you. It's been a little over a month since my inauguration, and I want to take this moment to update the nation on the progress I've made in keeping those promises. Since my election, 
Ford, Fiat Chrysler, General Motors, Sprint, SoftBank, Lockheed, Intel, Walmart, and many others have announced that they will invest billions and billions of dollars in the United States and will create tens of thousands of new American jobs. market has gained almost $3 trillion in value since the election on November 8th, a record. We've saved taxpayers hundreds of millions of dollars by bringing down the price of fantastic, and it is a fantastic, new F-35 jet fighter, and we'll be saving billions more on contracts all across our government. We have placed a hiring freeze on non-military and non-essential federal workers. We have begun to drain the swamp of government corruption by imposing a five-year ban on lobbying by executive branch officials and a lifetime ban. ban on becoming lobbyists for a foreign government. We have undertaken a historic effort to massively reduce job-crushing regulations, creating a deregulation task force inside of every government agency. And we're imposing a new rule which mandates that for one new regulation, Two old regulations must be eliminated. We're going to stop the regulations that threaten the future and livelihood of our great coal miners. for the construction of the Keystone and Dakota Access Pipelines. Thereby creating tens of thousands of jobs. And I've issued a that new American pipelines be made with American steel. Withdrawn the United States from the job killing Trans Pacific Partnership. And with the help of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, we have formed a council with our neighbors in Canada to help ensure that women entrepreneurs have access to the networks, markets, and capital they need 
to start a business and live out their financial dreams. To protect our citizens, I have directed the Department of Justice to form a task force on reducing violent crime. I have further ordered the Departments of Homeland Security and Justice, along with the Department of State and the Director of National Intelligence, to coordinate an aggressive strategy to dismantle the criminal cartels that have spread all across our nation. stop the drugs from pouring into our country and poisoning our youth, and we will expand treatment for those who have become so badly addicted. At the same time, my administration has answered the pleas of the American people for immigration enforcement and border security. By finally enforcing our immigration laws, we will raise wages, help the unemployed, save billions and billions of dollars, and make our communities safer for everyone. We want all Americans to succeed, but that can't happen in an environment of lawless chaos. We must restore integrity and the rule of law at our borders. For that reason, we will soon begin the construction of a great, great wall along our southern border. As we speak tonight, we are removing gang members, drug dealers, and criminals that threaten our communities and prey on our very innocent citizens. Bad ones are going out as I speak and as I promised throughout the campaign. To any in Congress who do not believe we should enforce our laws, I would ask you this one question. What would you say to the American family that loses their jobs, their income, or their loved one because America refused to uphold its laws and defend its borders? Our obligation is to serve, protect, and defend the citizens of the United States. We are also taking strong measures to protect our nation from radical Islamic terrorism. 
according to data provided by the Department of Justice, the vast majority of individuals convicted of terrorism and terrorism-related offenses since 9-11 came here from outside of our country. We have seen the attacks at home, from Boston to San Bernardino to the Pentagon, and yes, even the World Trade Center. We have seen the attacks in France, in Belgium, in Germany, and all over the world. It is not compassionate, but reckless to allow uncontrolled entry from places where proper vetting cannot occur. Those given the high honor of admission to the United States should support this country and love its people and its values. We cannot allow a beachhead of terrorism to form inside America. We cannot allow our nation to become a sanctuary for extremists. That is why my administration has been working on improved vetting procedures and we will shortly take new steps to keep our nation safe and to keep those out who will do us harm. As promised, I directed the Department of Defense to develop a plan to demolish and destroy ISIS, a network of lawless savages that have slaughtered Muslims and Christians and men and women and children of all faiths, and all beliefs. We will work with our allies, including our friends and allies in the Muslim world, to extinguish this vile enemy from our planet. I have also imposed new sanctions on entities and individuals who support Iran's ballistic missile program and reaffirmed our unbreakable alliance with the State of Israel. Finally, I have kept my promise to appoint a justice to the United States Supreme Court from my list of 20 judges who will defend our Constitution. I am greatly honored to have Maureen Scalia with us in the gallery tonight. Four forty four, call ID number five 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 one nine pound. 
Uh, Mike, glad to see you. But we're gonna have to take a break. But we're gonna take a take a take a short break and come back and kind of review some of the stuff that he just said so far. This is Nation Talk, your Sunday evening four. everybody's business. Don't drink and drive. Be smart, plan ahead, and choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives, and so should you. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Violence, theft, drugs, graffiti, it's all part of joining a gang. In times like these, we need to protect our kids and our community from gangs. Gangs often prey on teens with low self-esteem who perform poorly in school and who seek a sense of belonging. Protect kids from gangs. Know who they're hanging out with. Encourage them to become involved in school activities. Give kids a positive alternative to gangs. To learn more, visit ncpc.org or contact your local law enforcement agency. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. Susan was a Christian, and her co-workers knew it. But how did they know? She rarely mentioned her faith. Her work was top-notch, of course. But her co-workers were sharp, too. It was something else about Susan. She clearly was not out just for herself. In a competitive industry, she knew how to share credit. She was for her associates. That quality alone spoke volumes. This is Howard Budd, Jr. of Laity Lodge. The Thessalonians were so dear to Paul that he shared not only the gospel with them, he shared his life. He was for them. What about you? Are you for your colleagues? At work, can you share credit? People notice when people care in the high calling of our daily work. For more information, visit ourdailyworks.org. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views of the Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of Talk Show, Jam Radio Productions, SodaHead.com, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk.
1724-444-2444, call ID number, 55519-POUND. Tonight we're listening to, um, I'm going to play as much as I can, the time that I do have, on President Trump's um, speech to the Joint Session of Congress. And there's a lot of stuff he said tonight, well, that night to tonight. I'm just wondering, will he keep his promises or will he just talking noise? Hey, Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. And how are you doing this wonderful day? Oh, good, good, good. That's good. I'm glad you're on top of your, your president. He ain't my president. <clears throat> you I didn't taxpayer. vote for him. <laughs> you're a taxpayer. You're president. Yeah, maybe I may be a taxpayer, but I didn't put him in, and I sure didn't doggone put him in. <sighs> I didn't. I didn't vote for him, and I could sure uh, vote him out. You would. I would. If you had the opportunity. Wow. In a New York minute. <laughs> All right, then. Well? So you heard the speech. No, I did not. I did not hear any of the speech because I'm almost like, well, since I didn't put him in, I'm not going to even be concerned. But then again, I heard some of the things that, that he was said through the news broadcast and everything, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they pretty well summarized a lot of things that he was saying. It's almost like a um, a switch. You know what I mean? Like, you know how some people start off one way and then they switch? Yeah. Kinda, but that's that's just a game that people play sometimes to uh, to get things done the way they want it done. Mm-hmm. And, and I do believe that the man was fronting all the time when he was uh, running and putting an announcement in. Because oh, yeah. looking at a few things that, that was said from a long time ago, right? Right. They said that, well, he's not, he's not um, how do you call it, prepared for this type of a job. Well, in my respect, there's not too many presidents that have been up there that has been a president before if this was their first time. So, like, hey, what's he going to do? You know what I mean? Right. But the point of it is, it's like he has made some statements that goes back that goes back a minute, and that tells me that he had something in the back of his mind all along. So it wasn't just that of of well, I think I'll do this and I think I'll do that type thing. This is a planned action. Mm-hmm. They call it strategy. And one of the things that got me is that they had a rape in New York uh, a while ago, a long time ago, and there was some guys that got arrested for him, and he made this statement, and he was he was nowhere near, near the television, nowhere near uh, all his little business things, right? That Twitter. He made he made the statement that they should have stayed in jail until they got released. All right. Now, another thing that got me is that he had an interview with Tupac Shakur. 
in New York. Now, that tells me that something was in the working a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm saying that a lot of times we say things and do things doesn't mean that this is my personality right here, right now, but it could be a front for something to come. Mm-hmm. All right, now, so be watchful, be watchful, and pray hard. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the news a lot. I'm watching... I'm watching it a lot now, and not only watching the news, I'm also, you know, online. Uh, I mean, it's just, I'm just, just um, keeping an eye on on what's going on. Um, All right. And especially the things you've been talking about. And and the issue on the wall, I, I was listening to NPR earlier today. And they have they they are they are putting up a twenty foot wall somewhere down to at the border. Now this is one of the things he was talking about in the joint session and uh-huh. in his and his campaign. And <laughs> I was joking with Vanessa, I said knowing knowing my amigo friends and as smart as they are, they'll go and re and redo rebuild it and make it look two times better. And they'll work and they'll work harder to make it two times better than the first than the first wall. Hmm. And they probably can go under it. They probably some of them probably already think about putting a tunnel down putting a tunnel their way from Mexico to United States border over beyond the United States border. It would be so good to until you couldn't they, you couldn't tell where where the where the tunnel ends begins or ends. That's how good that's how good they 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 work. You remember the uh the the the, the drug lord that they just Oh El Chapo Huh? El Chapo. Yeah, but guess what? They're still discovering tunnels in Los Angeles, exactly, exactly. I'm telling you, I don't put nothing past. I I don't put nothing past my amigo friends. I don't put nothing past them, and they'll work hard to make it look to make it good. I'm telling you, I I work with them. I work with them. For, I work with them for a couple of years and. They, they, I mean, when they work, they work. And it was, and the president was also talking about um, crime, um, reducing the crime. Every, all, been, I've heard that so many times until it got ridiculous. How are they going to reduce the crime and the infrastructure? I've heard that. And some of the stuff still hasn't been done. I well, mean, a lot of that's been stuff, maybe, maybe, and there's been stuff still ain't done. Remember, back in the seventies, 
Mm-hmm. He is Nixon uh, Ford, the, one of them. The drug, the drug trade from the CIA. Uh huh. Central America. Uh huh. All right. Now, in order to reduce the crime, you, you got to stop the drugs. Who's in charge of it? I don't see them guys out on the block bringing in no shipload of, of drugs. Mm-mm. So, hey, if you, you want to stop it, you got enough uh, United States people in the Navy and enough people on the uh, Coast Guard to stop anything that's coming through on the seas. Yep, air. That's right. And they do it, too. Thank you. They do stop them. And they had, NPR, they've been doing some fact-checking. And some of the stuff that he said wrong was, was, was very off. There were some things he said that was off. Okay. The, the facts wasn't even right. <laughs> that's, that's nothing unusual. I know. I know. And 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 I I was listening to parts of the speech. Um, it was on TV, and I listened to it on NPR, and I, I was listening to some of it. And I said, "Well, I just wait until I just wait until I get the time to get it on YouTube," which I did, and um, saw this. And when I watched it, you could tell the the temperature in the room of 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 both sides of the aisle. One side mm-hmm. they'll sit down, they'll cheer. Another side they'll if it's not it don't sound right to them. The other side will cheer. The other side sit down. The Republicans will sit down. Wow. It. it I remember that, and I remember the same thing happening when President Obama, during President Obama's um, joint session, joint sessions of Congress, he made um, during his eight years. And, and, and if you notice too, Republican, okay, we have a Republican Congress, pretty much. Yeah, he did something. Yeah. We have pretty much an all-Republican Congress. Now, we had a Republican Congress when during the Obama years. You notice how much trouble the President, President Obama was trying to get out different things and the, the Republicans just trying to block everything that he's uh-huh. trying to do. Now, and then, you know, and, and the president, who's a, who was a former senator, he knows the Senate quite well. He's been, he, he's been, he's been a senator, he, you know, junior senator from Illinois. He knows the Senate. He knows some of the people in the Senate. Um, he, I'm sure he knows a many, a good many of them of the people in the Senate um, that he worked with. And they simply just blocked him. 
try to make it hard for him to pass any legislation. And that's why a lot of people say Obama didn't do nothing. You know why Obama couldn't do anything? Because we have a Republican, we have a Republican <laughs> Congress. Now, now we have we still have a Republican Congress, and we have an outsider yeah. looking who got in, which I think it was which was, I think it was a fluke. Who is talking a good game, and Republicans? It may not be all of them, but there's some Republicans say, you know, this guy ain't so bad. I think he's hmm. gonna get some things done, well, yeah, and I, I, I don't think he. And I guarantee you, anything that he passes, that he that he puts on his across his desk, so far, so far, so good. He, he it was no problem for him for an executive order. Hmm. Versus President Obama, he sent out executive. He it gotten so bad for President Obama. That he went ahead of Congress and did something without this, without the Congress consent. Without he always, he got into big trouble behind that too. Yeah, simply because Congress did not want this, did not want Mr. Obama to pass any legislation because. Either he's black, and two, he was a Democrat. <laughs> two, two, two points against you already, huh? Right. <laughs> and here's a guy, a New Yorker, successful billionaire businessman, and I still say it's a fluke. The election is all fluke. <laughs> his his winning was a fluke. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Nah. And, he, and he comes in, he comes swooping in and make all these promises and the people, and and, and, they're, and they're, they're just eating it up. But they're just, they're drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak. Uh-huh. Thinking that he's going to do something. Now, just as soon, now, now he did have some problems with people in, in his cabinet. Is getting people, there's people in his cabinet, and then the Russian thing, and that he had to, that um, he, you know, um, had problems with recessions and all, which I, right. who I think is who I think is a big crook, and the pain <laughs> but who I he's a he's a, a he's a pain in the butt and a crook and a and a and a racist. Um, then he's gonna get things. They 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 he's gonna get things done. But I got news for you. They got some. They got some Democrats and some Republicans now. Some now there's some there are some Republicans who don't agree with don't agree with Trump. That there, there are pretty good many of them who don't don't really don't they think Trump is kind of like woo kind of. <laughs> Kind of on the loony side, and I think yeah, he's kind of going on here. yeah, he's a rich loony guy, but um he, he 
I just don't know. This guy is really barking up the tree here without... He's really barking up the tree. And... It's it's really, it's really, really disturbing. And another, and with something else related to Trump, the GOP Senate demands more info, and this is from, this is from online The Hill. GOP Senator demands more info from Trump on wiretapping claims. Listen to this. Republican Senator Ben Sessi of Nebraska on Saturday called on President Trump to release information backing up his bombshell claims that former President Barack Obama had wiretapped Trump Tower during the campaign. Ooh, ouch. Quote, we are in the midst of civilization warping crisis of public trust, and the president's allegation today demands a thorough and dissipate attention of serious patriots, according to Sassy in, in a statement. The GOP Senate said that Trump's very serious allegations required he released more information. Sassy noted that, that any such wiretapping would have taken place with authorization from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court or FISA unless it took place without authorization. Um, Sassy continues, quote, uh-huh. if anyone, if, if, if withdraw authorization, the president should explain that sort of wiretap it was and how he knows this. It is possible that, that he was illegally tapped. Sassy said if there was a legal authorization for a phone tap, an application for surveillance ex- ex- exists that the court found credible. Ooh, and come on. Sassy said the president should ask that this full application regarding surveillance of foreign activists, activists and operations be made available ideally to the full public, and at a bare minimum to the U.S. Senate. Sassy echo remarks from fellow Republican Senator Leslie Graham of South Carolina, who said Saturday he was very worried about Trump's claim that Obama ordered a wiretap of Trump Tower before the November election. Graham said if a wiretap was illegal, it would be the biggest political scandal since Watergate. But he also said that if the Obama administration was able to legally obtain a warrant to monitor Trump's campaign, that too would be a scandal. Trump on Saturday claimed Obama had his wire 
tapped in Trump Tower before election day, tweeting the accusation without offering evidence. Uh, this is what he what Trump wrote. Terrible. Just just found out that Obama had my wires tapped in Trump Towers just before the victory. Nothing found. This is McCarthyism. End quote. It, what? Is, is it legal for a sitting president to be wiretapped, a race for president prior to an election? Turned down by court earlier, a new law, he said in the in a in a subsequent tweet. Uh, he also continued in this in this tweet in this tweet rant. I'll be, I'll bet a good lawyer could make a great case out of the fact that President Obama was tapping my phones in October, just prior to election. The New York Times citing New York um uh citing a senior White House official reported that Trump's chief counsel, Don McGaw, was working Saturday to secure access to what he believed to be an order issue by the FISA court authorizing some form of surveillance linked to Trump and those close to him. Now, um, let's see. Oh, okay. Now, this is the statement that that President Obama um, um, this is the statement he made uh, that was um, it says, "Quote: A cardinal rule of the Obama administration that no, that no White House official ever interfered." of an independent investigation led by the Defense Department of Defense. This is this is according to Kevin Lewis, who's who's Obama's spokesman, said in a statement earlier Saturday denying Trump's allegations that Obama ordered any surveillance of of Trump. He continues he continues quote As part of that practice, neither President Obama nor any White House official ever ordered surveillance on any U.S. citizen, Lewis said. Any su- any suggestion otherwise is simply false. A-, a quest for the full truth rather than knee-jerk partisanism, partisanship must be our guide if we are going to rebuild civil trust and health. According to Sassy, and that's from the Hill. This, this, this is. I got this from a report from the Hill. This is. This is not. This is like the second time I got. The Hill has some pretty good stuff. <laughs> they have some pretty yeah. good. They got some pretty good stuff. Um. But I have a question for you, though. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think there was any type of Surveillance, uh, watch happened, watch happened done at all or any time? No. I think the man's paranoid. Well, look at her. How can they prove it if it was? Exactly. Where is the proof? Where is the proof that the president 
made. It doesn't matter about whether the president ordered it or not because if anybody went into Trump Towers, all right, take it up. If anybody went into Trump Towers, it was it would have to be an official order. Exactly. Whether, whether it was announced or unannounced. Yeah, hold on a minute. We, yeah, hold on. I, I, want, I want to get to the bottom of this because um, I don't really don't think President Obama would actually do that. And, he's a, and he was a former lawyer, too? Come on. Give me a break. We, we're almost at the top of the hour. This is Nation Talk. Whose name was Larry Smarter. Larry? Why weren't you and Professor Dickie Doodle's mythical creature classification class? Larry wanted to go to college, so he visited knowhowtogo.org to find which classes he really needed. You missed the lesson on telling dragons from dragonflies. Right. Um, I want to go to college, so I'm taking Algebra 2, Biology, and a Foreign Language. Foreign Language? You mean so you can talk to unicorns? Well, not exactly. Unless they're French. But Larry had no time for unicorns, or even for Miss Petunia Tootie's time-traveling tutorial, which met every other yesterday at 25 o'clock. Sorry I'm late. My star clock came on into overtime. And he knew knowhowtogo.org was way better than hoping for a snockball scholarship. So, while his friends all aced invisibility, when Larry finally got to college, they were nowhere to be seen. Brought to you by the American Council on Education, Lumina Foundation for Education, and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views of Peace and Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of Talk Show, Jam Radio Protection, Soviet.com, and its sponsors. This, that's Nation Talk. of Nation Talk. Boy, I can go by so quick. My God. The last hour, we were talking about playing a little bit of the joint session speaking during the uh, his first joint session of Congress and to the American people. And I asked the question, did his speech make a difference? Or Divide the country. Also during this hour, hate crimes in America, and I hail and farewell to Bill Pax, actor Bill Paxton, and Judge Joseph Watt. That's all tonight on Nation Talk. And we was right in the middle of an article I found on the Hill. Oh, and there was another article uh, about Sessions.
along with his wife, Michelle. They were attorneys. They knew they were very sharp lawyers, very sharp, very smart. For the president to do that, to do, to actually go into, have, have order to go to into Trump Towers and order a wiretap, which is illegal, like the article said, it will be an, it will be an Watergate all over again. Right. It will be, it will be the Watergate all over again. And then, and then, they'll, Oh, you talking about really? You talking about really player hating? They're gonna really player hate on him. They always play hating on now, but you know then, and it they kind of they kind of ease him back on him now because he he he's no longer there. It's kind of like whew, that N word gone. So anyway, um. I well, hey, I'm just going. I'm, I'm just. I took it there. I took it there. But it. But you got to remember, that is definitely illegal. Why it? So it's so it's fine on 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 private citizens illegal. Exactly. Exactly. But guess what? They do it anyway. Thank you. <laughs> Your hey, your name is probably up on the list too, up on the top of the list. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so, it wouldn't it wouldn't so surprise they, me. You know they monitor your program. I would hey, let let them monitor me. I hope they get I hope they get a, a I hope they get a good one or either either they can fall asleep on it. <laughs> oh, he's so boring. He don't know what he talking. <laughs> <laughs> ah, boy, what is this guy talking? About? As a matter of fact, I had somebody, um, and I, and I'm gonna move on. The I don't know if it was on talk show. You can go and you can um pull up the transcript of what of what's been said in the chat room. And I went on there, and I was like, to one of the programs, I think it was, I was talking about race relations or something. Uh-huh. And I, I'm i telling you, I read some stuff, I'm going, well, well. And this it, it's mostly racist, mostly racist. And I just said to myself, you know what, I know who I am. I know who I belong to, and it don't phase me. It it, it doesn't doesn't phase me, but I was I was but I was interested in what they said, <laughs> some of the stuff they said, and how they said it. But I mean, I, I don't really don't care really what the I I can and I can I really don't care. Oh Lord, I got my hand. No, Lord, I'm starting to get. I'm starting to do that little thing that he does, the Trump does with the <laughs> hand thing. Oh, uh, okay. 
you letting it bother you. That's what it is. Trump is getting he he. Uh, like I said, I didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't elect him. That's their problem. That's why I said before doing the doing when after he got elected, they that's their problem. That is their problem. I didn't put him in. Let them worry about him. <laughs> that's their that's their beeswax. Yeah. Now, now, speaking of Jefferson Sessions. I found another interesting article. What's that? From the Daily News. This is and the author of this is Sean King. It says America should should have listened to Coretta Scott King about Jeff Sessions. Hmm. This is what happens when you ignore Coretta Scott King. Wednesday night, after most nightly news shows had already aired, after a good portion of the country had already gone to bed, something deeply disturbing was revealed. We learned that a man lied under oath in this country. We call it perjury, and it's not just a violation of court policy. It's a crime. Tens of thousands of people have gone to jail for lying under oath. When black folks lie under oath, they often go to prison. As you as you can recall, Olympic gold medalist. I'm sure I'm, I remember this one. When Mary Jones went to went to prison for lying under oath after using performance enhancing drugs. Oh yeah. Yeah. In 2005. I thought they just stripped her from the uh, Olympics. I think they did strip her. I believe. I believe they did. They stripped her, but I didn't know she go to jail. Yeah, I think they they stripped her and she served some time. And of course, 2005, the the rapper Little Kim, A.K.A. Kim Kimberly Jones, Kim Little Nasty Kim, as I call her went to federal prison by lying under oath. But 31 years ago, all the way back in 1986, Credit Scott King warned this country, warned this nation about the questionable character of a man named Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III. Beauregard? Ew. At the time, Jeff Sessions was being considered for an appointment as a federal judge, but Coretta Scott King was so disturbed that she penned a 10-page letter dealing, detailing why such an appointment would be dangerous for this nation. She questioned his, his commitment not just to voting rights and civil rights, but good judgment and common decency. Hmm. Now, this is part what she wrote. Based on his record, this is from Mrs. King. Based on this, based on his record, I believe his confirmation would would have have a devastating effect 
on not only the judicial system in Alabama, but also on the program we have made everywhere toward fulfilling my husband's dream, she said. And so, 31 years ago, the United States Senate decided against appointing Jeff, Jeff Sessions as a federal judge. He never got the, the position. But wait, three decades later, he is now the Attorney General of the United States. What? Whoa, 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 back up. That same person? Yep. He's now the Attorney General of the United States and was just caught lying under oath. As you no doubt by now, something very peculiar is going on with Donald Trump and Russia. His I wonder if anybody bring it bringing that back up. Uh um they still well, I think it's still I think they're still investigating. Well, I know if I think they're still investigating on that on that issue. Um, um, his national security advisor Michael Flynn he resigned in 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 disgrace after he was caught lying about his communication with Russian officials, serving the shortest term of any NSA advisor in American history. Frequently over the past years, Donald Trump has said he has he that he knows Vietnam Putin well, that they have a relationship, that they have influence with one another. Now he is president. Now that the pre, now that now that he's president, he denies any such. Relationship. It is now widely accepted that Russia hacked the Democratic National Co- Committee, and questions linger about Russia's influence on the November fake presidential election. That's my. I put that in there. That is just one of the many reasons why it's so darn disturbing. To see Jeff Sessions, who is who is not Marion Jones or Little Kim, but now Attorney Attorney General of the United States of America, the top law enforcement enforcement officer in our country, plain as they lying under under oath during his confirmation hearings. Now, Minnesota Senator Al Franken. During the hearing, told Sessions of a news report that surrogates for Donald Trump's presidential campaign frequently met with Russian government officials throughout the campaign, except he, and with a smug look of confidence, Sessions looked back at Franklin and said, "I'm not aware of any of those activities." I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did not have communications with the Russians, except he did. Not years before he he gave his testimony 
but just months before he gave it, Jeff Sessions, this past July, and again this past September, met with Russian government officials that he swore to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth during his confirmation hearing, but then lied twice about meeting with the Russians just months earlier is is not just wrong, it's criminal. Jeff Sessions should resign immediately. Now, as you know, he 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 recused he recused himself, but that's not good enough. That's not that's really not good enough. If he does resign, if he does not resign, he should be fired. Then he should prosecute. He he should prosecute for perjury. He should be prosecuted for perjury and a full independent investigation into Trump's lies with Russia should be launched. It is suspicious that the very thing Trump's cabinet officials kept getting caught lying about about is Russia. But this is not just about Russia. It's it's about integrity. It's about honesty and fairness. Coretta Scott King did not trust Jeff Sessions 31 years ago and voting him in as Attorney General anyway, her words were ignored. But the chickens come home to roost. Jeff Sessions was was a scoundrel then and he's a scoundrel now. As far as a $3 bill. I like this guy. The controversy will not go away and we all must demand together in the spirit of our ancestors that he be removed from office immediately. And I wow. agree. You hear the talk, man. I agree. I agree. You the talk. I agree with Sean King. Mm-hmm. I agree with him. He told her he recused himself. He should be he should be fired. Hung to dry. Alright. Put him take him to the gallows. No, no, that's not too strong. <laughs> take him to too the gallows. Strong, take him to the gallows and, and hang him or or take him and take a put time up to a stake and burn baby burn. Wait a minute, aren't you supposed to be a minister? Yeah. Well, why are you up there talking about killing somebody? Is it that bad? <laughs> <laughs> wow. He, I mean, this guy really, this Sessions this session's guy, I don't know. I, I, I don't trust him either. Because just as, now, if he was attorney general, then when Trayvon Martin, um, do the, the Trayvon Martin trial, he'll he'll be patting Zimmerman on the back and say, "Good job, son. Good job. You shot a good." Didn't, one. They, didn't they, hey, didn't that, that's what they did? Yeah. 
Because you know what? With that with that case, right? Instead of them charging him with violation of Tavon Martin's civil rights, they went and said, "We're going to charge him with second degree murder." They know darn well they could not they not prove second degree murder. They knew that up some up street. But if they didn't charge him with violation of the civil rights, yeah, then they had a case. And yeah. and, and plus and plus they had this. Florida has this, um, and I talked about this some time back. Uh, um, um, I forgot the name of the law now. The stand. Um, stand your ground. Standing ground law. Yeah, they got that. They have that, and they. They 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 strong they they said that that law stands and what he did and you know that you know because of that law you know they gave him that they they only they gave him a lesser uh, sentence which is which was right. They, they didn't give him no sentence. They just a charge. Yeah, they charged him and that was it. Pat him the back, pat him the head. You've been a good boy. And that yeah, was it. With, with, look at us. Okay, we're going to go back there. When the police said, do not engage, and you engage anyway, isn't that breaking the law? It is breaking the law. I don't care if he is a security guard. So, so charging with violation of his civil rights. Right. They did. They did. They actually they no, did. They did not. Yeah. No, I they mean, didn't. Okay, I'm conf- I'm confused here. Go back over the le- go back over your records and find out they they did not charge him with nothing about his civil rights. Oh oh yeah yeah, they and they they yeah they've actually they violated Trevon's rights civil rights. They violate his rights, um, because it was just a simple thing. All he was doing was coming from the store. And he had skittles and whatever he had, and they, and I guess he thought it was a threat because he had a hoodie on. Because they probably thought, well, all black guys have hoodies, and they, what they do, they they put these hoodies on, and they they all are killers. Bunch of bull, really, really, it's just, that's what it really is. But it's sessions was doing. That they'll be patting on, they'll be patting him on the head. Good boy, good boy. Yeah, all right. But uh, good boy. Mhm. That's why. I, that's why I do not trust Sessions. I don't trust him. I agree. With, I agree with Mrs. King. I don't agree. I mean, I don't. I don't trust that sucker anyway. <laughs> I wouldn't trust him where I can throw at him. And it's it. Okay. That's as far as you can throw him, huh? Mm-mm. Damn, that's right. All right. Anyway. Anyway. Whew. I got that off my chest. <laughs> feel better? Yeah, I I feel better now. I got, I got off my <laughs> chest. Uh, Bless you. Well, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh... The president was talking about hate crimes, and I found this piece. Y'all probably seen it on the Rachel Meadows show. Listen to this. 
Happy Thursday night. Thanks for being with us tonight. The 1976 Republican National Convention was contested, uh, quite dramatically contested. Gerald Ford was the incumbent Republican president at that time, uh, but he was seen as a very weak incumbent. Uh, not only had President Gerald Ford never been elected president, he'd never been elected vice president either. Heading into that 1976 convention, uh, the last presidential election had, of course, been 1972, when Richard Nixon won re-election along with uh, his vice presidential running mate, Spiro Agnew. Uh, but then shortly thereafter, basically right after they won that election and were sworn in to start their second term in 1973, shortly thereafter, Vice President Spiro Agnew came under investigation for bribery. Now, this was before Watergate and all of that other Michigas, but Nixon's vice president, Spiro Agnew, got investigated for bribery. He ended up getting criminally charged, and he had to resign from office. He had to resign the vice presidency. And we uh, sort of forget this now, I think, because of the way the Nixon administration ended. But even before Nixon himself became the great scandal of the Nixon era, his vice president really did have to resign in disgrace and face criminal charges. And, you know, the vice presidency may not be the most crucial job in the federal government, but there does have to be somebody holding that position. Uh, so when Spiro Agnew had to go into that criminal cloud, right, and, and leave the vice presidency, President Nixon then had to choose someone to replace him as vice president. And that is how a congressman from Michigan who had never been elected by an electorate larger than his single congressional district back home nevertheless got himself into place to himself ascend to the presidency when Nixon had to resign himself because of Watergate. That is how we got incumbent President Gerald Ford, even though Gerald Ford had never been nationally elected to anything. And that is how we got the contested Republican National Convention in 1976, when Gerald Ford decided to run nationally to try to hold on to this position in the Oval Office that he had arrived at through such unexpected and undemocratic means. Because of that series of backdoors that Gerald Ford took to the presidency, Gerald Ford that year in 76, he didn't really get the deference that is typically afforded to an incumbent president. And although he was still the front runner for the Republican presidential nomination that year, he was such a weak front runner that an upstart conservative named Ronald Reagan very nearly took the presidential nomination from President Ford at the party's 1976 convention in Kansas City. That 1976 convention was a little bit nuts. There was a lot of confusion on the floor among the delegates. There were long and impossible to follow fights over seemingly arcane rules that ended up being crucial to how the delegates would vote and who they would pick. President Ford may have been a weak front runner and an accidental president, but he was still president. For that 1976 convention, he was not above using things like flights on Air Force One and promised visits to the White House, basically as bribes to get convention delegates to support him. So 1976 was a little nutty. 1976 was the last time the Republican Party had a contested national convention. And that's basically what everybody's expecting to be replayed this summer, uh, but worse, <laughs> when this year's contested Republican convention unfolds in Cleveland. But back at the last contested convention in 1976, there are basically two really important world-changing outcomes that were the result of that contested convention. And the first one was the obvious one, which is that Gerald Ford beat Ronald Reagan, he got the nomination, and then he went on to...
Department was in on it, and it was Mississippi. Specifically, it was Neshoba County, Mississippi, which was nationally famous, which is nationally famous still today, and was certainly nationally famous at the time, uh, for exactly one thing. Neshoba County, Philadelphia, Mississippi, is where James Cheney, Michael Schwerner, and Andrew Goodman were lynched by the Klan in 1964, and where local law enforcement participated in their racist murders and then covered it up. I mean, the reason they make movies about that case, the reason Cheney, Schwerner, and Goodman are still household names today, the reason that story is, is so, I mean, incredible and emotionally heartrending, and there's still such intense national storytelling about that triple murder is not just because of the horror of that crime, it's because of the critical and dramatic fact that local law enforcement was fine with it. Local law enforcement was in on it. And it took the federal government basically to go down and force themselves into Neshoba County, Mississippi, in order to solve those murders, even just to find the bodies. Because under local authority in Neshoba County, Mississippi, it was not otherwise going to happen. And on August 3rd, 1980, right after he was made the presidential nominee of the Republican Party, Neshoba County, Mississippi is where Ronald Reagan went to start his presidential campaign. He went to Neshoba County on a hot, sweaty day in August, and he told a crowd of 30,000 wildly enthusiastic white Mississippians, quote, I believe in states' rights. He stood in front of that all-white, huge, screaming crowd of thousands in Mississippi and said that the federal government had too much power, that if he became president, he would rein in that federal overreach and, quote, he would restore to the states and local communities those functions which properly belong there. I believe in states' rights. Andrew Goodman had lasted precisely one day in that town before the Klan murdered him, along with his fellow civil rights activists. Those three young men were murdered in June 1964. The town did not cough up their bodies until August. When Ronald Reagan stood up on that stage in Neshoba County 16 years later in August, at that time, some of the co-conspirators in that triple murder were still being protected in that town. As the newly minted Republican presidential nominee of 1980 went down to that town, showed up at the county fair, spoke to an all-white audience, and said not one word about the murders that town was nationally famous for, and instead whipped that sea of 30,000 white faces into a frenzy and preached states' rights to them and told them that he was their candidate. That was 1980. In 2008, in the presidential election that year, the country elected our first African-American president. That election was November 4th, 2008. Uh, November 4th, 2008, of course, was a Tuesday. Election's always on a Tuesday. But then that same week, four days later, on Saturday of that same week, a group of teenagers uh, from a county called Suffolk County in New York uh, went out in the very early morning hours with a BB gun their plan was to try to find a Hispanic immigrant somewhere in their town and shoot at that person with a BB gun. And they found a Hispanic man sitting on his porch, not doing anything, not bothering anybody, and they shot him multiple times with that BB gun. Later that day, that same day, a, a group, the same group added, added a few more friends, and they went out again, again looking for Hispanic immigrants to attack in the town of Patchogue, 
They found a Hispanic man walking on the street, rolling his bicycle along. Teenagers got out of their car, started screaming racist slurs at him. They circled him. They eventually all started beating and kicking him. They did not kill him. The man was able to get away, but that group was not done. Later that same night, the same group went out again, again looking for another Hispanic immigrant to try to terrorize and attack. They found two Hispanic men walking near the train station in the same town where they had earlier beaten up the guy with the bike. And again, this group, they surrounded these men who they found on the street or were doing nothing to them, doing nothing wrong, but they had the misfortune of being Hispanic in this particular town. They beat them. They called them racist names. They attacked them. And, and, and this time, one of those two men they were attacking, they did kill him. One of the men who they attacked, a 37-year-old man who worked at a local dry cleaners, uh, they stabbed him in the chest, killed him. And then the national story at that point in our country, that week, the week of November 4th, 2008, and what was going on in the country right now, what we were all thinking about in terms of race in our country right now was, wow, we're the country who just elected a black president. But in New York, the local story was Suffolk County and these racist attacks, these escalating racist attacks that had suddenly but probably inevitably turned fatal. In the wake of that murder, this hate crime murder, this murder came at the end of a beating by seven teenagers. The local Hispanic population started reporting that this was the culmination of what had been years of these kinds of organized attacks, unprovoked racist predatory attacks. A few months after the murder, the New York Times published 10 pages of accounts of racist unprovoked attacks on Hispanics in that town and in the immediately surrounding towns. People beaten badly enough to need surgery, people beaten with baseball bats, beaten with belts and chains, all completely unprovoked attacks. And again and again and again, with each of these attacks, the story of the police was that the police just seemed not to care. Eventually, in 2009, the Federal Department of Justice investigated the local police for discriminatory policing, discouraging Latino victims from filing complaints, failing to investigate crimes against Latinos, failing to investigate hate crimes involving Latinos, the raw number of hate crimes against Latinos in this county. The Justice Department eventually entered into an oversight agreement with the county police department. The county police department agreed to cooperate. That all happened in a place called Suffolk County, New York. The epicenter of these, these hate crimes and these racist attacks, including the police seeming to not care about these racist attacks, the epicenter was a little town called Patchaw in Suffolk County. And, and I mean, it's a little town, 12,000 people. It's a kind of out-of-the-way place. It has no national political significance whatsoever other than this thing from a few years ago for which it is sort of famous. Association of Broadcasters and the Ad Council. 
That last apartment looked more like a tool shed. That's because it was a tool shed, dear. I thought I'd show you the less than desirable apartments first because your credit is less than acceptable. But no worries, plenty of apartments. Let's try this one. It's a broom closet. Don't be silly, dear. It was a broom closet. Now it's apartment 3AA. Potential landlords can and will check your credit before giving you a lease. Don't let your credit put you in a bad place. Go to controlyourcredit.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Treasury and the Ad Council. This is the story of a boy wizard whose name was Larry Smarter. Larry, why weren't you in Professor Dicky Doodle's mythical creature classification class? Larry wanted to go to college, so he visited knowhowtogo.org to find which classes he really needed. You missed the lesson on telling dragons from dragonflies. Right. Um, I want to go to college, so I'm taking Algebra 2, Biology, and a Foreign Language. Foreign Language? You mean so you can talk to unicorns? Well, not exactly. Unless they're French. But Larry had no time for unicorns, or even for Miss Petunia Tootie's time-traveling tutorial, which met every other yesterday at 25 o'clock. Sorry I'm late. My starkball game went into overtime. And he knew knowhowtogo.org was way better than hoping for a snockball scholarship. So, while his friends all aced invisibility, when Larry finally got to college, they were nowhere to be seen. Brought to you by the American Council on Education, Lumina Foundation for Education, and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views of peace and nation talk are not necessarily the views of talk show, Jam Radio Productions, SodaHead.com, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. Anyone with type 2 diabetes knows how it feels to see your numbers go up, despite your best efforts. But what if you... Better to be judged by 12 than carried by 6. Longtime actor and CBS Training Day star Bill Paxton is dead after complications from surgery. Good evening. I'm Lena Wynn and for Elsa Ramon. And I'm Peter Dowd. A day of celebration and mourning for Hollywood. The sudden passing of Bill Paxton is on the minds of many on the film industry's biggest night. CBS News' Greg Mills is live in the Hollywood Hills with a reaction on the death of Paxton. Greg. Lena Peter, this was just stunning to both Hollywood and the fans. And to go at the age of 61, people just couldn't believe it. We hunt the city's most dangerous game. Bill Paxton was starring in a new CBS series. His career still going strong. He died suddenly at the age of 61. Complications following surgery. That's very sad. Very sad. Fans in Hollywood for the Academy Awards were shocked by the news. <gasps> he passed away. I didn't even know. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. That's Six, so Six Rob Lowe tweeted, he was devastated by the sudden loss of my close friend and one of the finest actors in the business. He's in, like, all of our favorite movies. Yeah. Like, True Lies and um, Apollo 13. Probably Apollo 13. A number of fans mentioned another big starring role. Maybe Twister. Rabbit, you know any shortcuts? Twister, storm chasing Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt. True Lies star Arnold Schwarzenegger tweeted, Bill Paxton could play any role, but he was best at playing Bill, a great human being with a big heart. Paxton stopped by our CBS2 KCAL 9 studios a few weeks ago to talk about his new CBS series, Training Day. This is in the training day. Trial by fire. Paxton's co-star, Justin Cornwell, tweeted, We were just two guys on top of the world. Rest easy, my friend. 
A CBS and Warner Brothers statement remembered Paxton as a guy who lit up every room with infectious charm, energy, and warmth, and as a great storyteller who loved to share entertaining anecdotes and stories about his work. A family representative wrote, Bill's passion for the arts was felt by all who knew him, and his warmth and tireless energy were undeniable. Paxton and his wife Louise were married for 30 years and had two children. He left Texas for Los Angeles at the age of 18 and enjoyed success for decades in movies and on TV. He was also a serious actor, and he would always have played, like, really funny ones, too. Good in everything uh, that he played. I just enjoyed him as an actor. A room full of innocent bystanders. That's only a problem if you miss. Very sad uh, was the passing of uh, Bill Paxton. Yeah. Uh, passed away, and, I mean, the guy has been in so many different movies and very young and passed away and i was just online and of course as people do they 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 start tweeting these things Mm -hmm. Uh, and all the biggest stars in hollywood were tweeting what a nice guy bill paxton was and people say that you hear that a lot about oh he's a nice guy he's a nice guy but everybody was unanimously saying one of the nicest people i've ever worked with Mm -hmm. in, in addition to being incredibly talented and i was thinking about this thing that I actually witnessed Bill Paxton do. Mm-hmm. And that made me realize, oh, my God, they're right. They're absolutely right, which was uh, Bill Paxton was in the movie Tombstone. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many people uh, here know Tombstone, but it's one of them. Uh, it's got some amazing performances. Uh, Kurt Russell's in it, Val Kilmer's in it, and Bill Paxton's in it, and just, you know, just Sam Elliott's in it. It's just an amazing movie. It's great. Yeah. And people go nuts for it. And I'm a huge fan of the movie Tombstone. And uh, this, our field producer, Jason Chalemi, who's been, Jason Chalemi's been with us since what, day one? Pretty yeah, much? yeah. He started I as an intro. So. so he was with us. And Jason Chalemi and I find out that Val Kilmer is going to be doing a play not far from where we tape here uh, in Burbank. Yeah. And he's going to be playing Mark Twain. Yeah. And we go and see it. And it turns out he was amazing. He was amazing doing uh, Mark Twain. But we go to see Val Kilmer in this play, and we, we get in, and we're taking our seats, and all of a sudden, someone taps me on the shoulder, and it's Bill Paxton. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, man, how's it going? I'm like, hey, it's really good. And then I said, I just got to tell you uh, how much I love Tombstone, what an amazing movie Tombstone is. And I said, I have to tell you, that's my uh, mind producer over there, Jason Chalemi, who's been with me since he was like a kid, since he was like 18, and Tombstone is one of his favorite movies. And Bill Paxton went, which, which guy is he? Which guy is he? And I said, right there, Jason. He says, name's Jason? Yeah. And he goes over, he walks over to Jason, he goes, hey, Jason, and he starts whispering in Jason's ear. Jason has a beard, and it almost falls off. And his <laughs> eyes get big as quarters, and he's like, and he's doing this for a while. And then he walked away, and I'm like, what the hell did he say to Jason? I go over to Jason, and Jason's not a famous guy or anything, mm-hmm. and he spent quite a while with him, and he said, he just leaned over, and he recited to me quietly all of his lines from Tombstone. <laughs> I remember, I remember Bill Paxton Tombstone. This is Nature Talk. We we say hail and farewell to Bill, actor Bill Paxton, who indeed was an incredible, 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 incredible actor. And we also say hail and farewell to one of my favorite judges. Judge Joseph Watler, he was 97 years old, 
God bless him. He was he was a, a legend. recipient of the Purple Heart and the Bronze Star for his service in World War II, Joseph Wapner, the famed television judge, lived his life with honor and purpose. Best known for his role in the courtroom series The People's Court, he was the first star of reality courtroom television. The essential terms of the contract were not there. You have to have a meeting of the minds. Born November 15, 1919 in Los Angeles, Wapner pursued his education at the University of Southern California for both his undergraduate degree and his law degree. In between his studies, he served in the U.S. Army, reaching the rank of lieutenant. Before presiding over his TV courtroom, he served as a Los Angeles County Superior Court judge for 20 years. After retiring, Wapner was the president of the California Judges Association for two years. It wasn't until after he left that position that Wapner followed in his father's footsteps, an attorney who occasionally made on-air appearances and became the first presiding judge of the People's Court in 1981. Take a short recess. I'll come back and give you my decision. Wapner's run on the People's Court was the first in the reality courtroom TV genre, inspiring decades of courtroom shows and other TV judges, including Judge Judy. He taped more than 2,000 episodes of the People's Court during his 12-year tenure. <laughs> Wapner was a husband, a father, and a recipient of a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Judge Joseph Wapner died at age 97. He was the first before Judge Judy, before Judge Mathis, um, before um, what's the court with the three judges, with the three judges, before Judge Ross, before all those judges, before even even before. Um, divorce court, long before divorce court, this was the man who started it. This was the man. He was the man who actually started these court these uh, court shows. And believe me, he was a legend. And he was definitely a legend. This is Nation Talk. What you are witnessing is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in a California municipal court. Both parties have agreed to dismiss their court cases and have their disputes settled here in our forum, The People's Court. Hello, I'm Doug Llewellyn, and welcome to The People's Court. This is the case of Love Me, Love My Cadillac. I'm Doug Llewellyn, thanking you for joining us and reminding you, if you're involved in a dispute such as this with another party and you just can't seem to work it out, don't take the law into your own hands. You take them to court. take a bad turn with her mother abusing her. And about this far in, Nikki would drop out of high school and run away. Yeah, she'd be forced to work two jobs struggling to support herself and her daughter. She'd feel stuck, stuck, stuck. But then she'd decide to earn her GED diploma. She'd take my prep classes. 
study every night and feel unstuck. Because she finally hears someone say, Nikki Baker, come up and get your GED diploma. If this radio spot were Nikki Baker's life, the ending wouldn't be the ending at all. It would be the beginning of a brighter future. For free info about GED test prep classes, call 1-877-38-YOUR-GED or visit yourged.org. GED is a registered trademark of the American Council on Education. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Where do baby smiles come from? No, it's not gas. They're imitating the monkeys. So says evolution. That's next on today's Creation Moment. And now our Creation Moments host, Ian Taylor. Did you know it's practically impossible to laugh without smiling at the same time? Will you try it sometime? Oh, you can make laughing sounds without smiling, but you can't laugh for real. Well, if you're anything like me, you just might laugh out loud when you hear what evolutionists are now telling us about why babies smile and laugh. According to evolutionists at Kyoto University, babies smile not because they are amused or because they are trying to communicate with their parents. Babies smile for the same reason that monkeys smile, to facilitate the development of cheek muscles, enabling humans, chimpanzees, and Japanese monkeys to produce smiles, laughs, and grimaces. And they add, spontaneous smiles don't express feelings of pleasure in chimpanzees and Japanese monkeys. Rather, the smiles are more similar to submissive signals and grimaces rather than smiles. According to study author Masaki Tomonaga, we can infer that the origin of smiles goes back at least 30 million years, when old world monkeys and our direct ancestors diverged. Really now, do evolutionists honestly expect us to believe this? There's nothing funny about evolutionary nonsense like this. The reason we smile, even when we're babies, is because God created human beings as emotional creatures capable of expressing an incredibly wide range of feelings. When's the last time you thanked God for such a wonderful gift? Creation Moments exists to glorify God by presenting evidence for the literal truth of the Bible. For more information, visit our website at creationmoments.com and join us again for another Creation Moment, proclaiming evidence of God's truth. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. There's a piece of nation talk that next to the views of Talk to Jam Radio Productions, Sorry.com, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk.
Nation Talk here on Talk Show and Jam Radio. If you're in the Savannah area, oh goodness, I don't even have it. Um, just so I can find it. If you're in the Savannah area, St. Patrick's Day is coming up um, about a week from now. My advice to you, you should have gotten, you should have gotten your hotel room already. For a simple reason, because all of the, all of the hotels, I guarantee you, are booked solid. Because this is one of the, this is one of the big holidays. Well, I don't call it no holiday. One one of the big celebrations here in Savannah. And just like I told some, my bosses, um, like I told my bosses, <laughs> Miami. If you plan to come to Savannah to think during the month of the week of St. Patrick's Day or the month or sometime yet by March, forget about it. Unless you already got reservations already, so my advice is to get um get your reservations in now. You should have your reservations in already because of this big celebration. Um. Also, the, the group, <clears throat> huh? No, this is a... Oh. The, the group Sticks is coming here to Savannah. Oh, here it is. Here it is. On March 10th, 8 p.m., this particular lady will be coming to Savannah, and I'm sure it's going to be a good concert. Oh, come on. Don't do this. That's right. She's coming to Savannah Friday, March 10th at 8 p.m. in the Johnny Mercer Theater. If you'd like tickets, you go to savannahciviccenter.com or call 912-651-6556 for that concert. I know that's going to be a good concert. Shaka Collin Concert. Sponsored by Next Level Entertainment. All right. And tomorrow at 5.30, let me make sure I got this right. Tomorrow at 5.30, you're going to be on, you can hear Brother Mike on soundviewtv.org. Thank at you. 5.30. Five 5.30. 5.30 to 6.30? 5.30 to 6.30, yep. What's your topic this time? Attitudes. Oh. And also, we're going to continue with the church 
activities in the church. Hmm. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Uh, I have a video on your Facebook. Check it out when you get a chance to. Oh, okay. Cool. On my cool. page. Cool. We're going to continue that. Ah. And, and, and then next Thursday, we're going to do another live uh, program on Facebook. We're dealing with this uh, church activities. Ooh. That sounds interesting. Yeah, especially these seven churches in, in uh, Revelation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. This I have against you. Man, that is, that is some kind of book. I remember my former pastor, he he actually went through the book of Revelation. I don't know if he went all the way through, but he talked about some of the things in, in Revelation. And boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah. Bless you. Bless you. And boy, oh boy, it was insightful. I think I still got the notes, if I'm not mistaken. This was like some this was like some years ago. I think I I, th- I think I got the I think I still got those notes somewhere. But <laughs> probably one probably one of my old Bibles I had got stuck in there. But um, boy oh boy, something to think about. Yeah. I even got a book. I even got a book about um, I was about the four horsemen from the United Ooh, Church, okay. the United Church of Christ, or something like that. It's a, it, they, they, I forgot the name of the, but I, I got a, a book on 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 I think two of the two of the. Two or three of the horsemen. Now that's going to be really, really, really good. I mean, it's in my it's, it's my collection in my library. It's going to be very. I mean, it's the, the 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 story itself and the way it's been being presented, the way John Revelated um, actually seen this. All right now, man, it's amazing. <laughs> well, I'm just, gonna, I'm just sticking with the church part of it. So yeah, all the other stuff, like wow, you know what I mean? Yeah, boy. And, and a lot of people scared. I was like, I was like other people who was kind of scared to read Revelations. <laughs> but now I find it, I find Revelations intriguing. I mean, I understand. Really. I mean, I understand everything, but there's some stuff. Um, there's some stuff that I kind of understand a little bit. Not everything, but some, you know, some things. But you know, I, I, I think, um, I think a good. That's a really good book to get into. Yep. Very good book, but I suggest I suggest read all of the rest first before you go to Revelation. Oh yeah, because you get some foundation. Yeah, because Daniel is one of them. I know Daniel. Oh my goodness, 
Daniel has has a a lot. I mean, a lot. That that's so close to Revelation to us to to us like, whoa. That's how that's how close it is. Well, we're already starting some of the phases of into Revelations anyway. Well, good, 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 good. Well, you know, touch on this and touching on that. Yeah. Give us a view, a, a birth, what's a birth eye view of what's to come. Yeah. And that's why I want to get into the seven churches. Oh, boy. Let people know that some of the stuff that's listed in the churches in Revelation, you already practice them and doing them now. So get up out of it, get yourself together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's going to be 5.30 to 6.30 Eastern Time on soundviewtv.org. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. And be, be, be prepared for my book. Oh, yeah. Great transition. Oh, okay. Oh, and tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., it's Morning Inspirations on Talk to you and generate we, like I said, I announced last week we're going to be coming right back. We're going to be back as well as um, the Lighthouse Hour. Hmm. We're going to be All right, going to, then. We won't bring that back. All right, Mike. Take care. Be blessed. Have a good week. And have a wonderful week. All right. Take care. Now. All right. Views of Peace Nation Talk are not necessarily views of Talk Show, Generated Productions, Sodahead.com, and its sponsors. This has been Nation Talk, a public affairs program that airs Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Join us next Sunday for another Nation Talk here on Talk Show and Jam Radio. Until tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful week. Be careful out there.